Well, good morning, as promised. Um, I'm going to read a book. Um, well, it's hard to explain. It began as a teaching. Uh, it flowed out of uh, Nalanda, which was a university in northern India. Uh, it was uh, Mahayanan, obviously, but I think at the time it was really quite a, a wonderful synthesis of... Uh, the earlier teachings, Mahayana teachings, uh, uh, Madhyamaka, the middle way, um, later teachings attributed to uh, um, teachers from this time period, uh, plus Yogacara thought, and even some later uh, thoughts. The copy that I have, um, physical copy, uh, that I'm going to be reading through, you can get a number of different copies, translations uh, from the Tibetan. Uh, the one I use is... Uh, translated by um, some gentleman uh, and is attributed to the Dalai Lama. I believe it was published in the late 90s. What I'm going to open with is in the introduction, and it's uh, words from Nagarjuna, also a gentleman of this period. Um, and it says, uh, If you wish, if you wish to attain the unsurpassed enlightenment for yourself and the world, the root is generation of an altruistic thought that is stable and firm like a mountain in all embracing all embracing compassion and a transcendent wisdom free of duality i love that we uh, use this quote to begin because again it's got a synthesis of buddhist teachings right if you wish to attain the unsurpassed enlightenment so this is probably um um no, probably it's a translation of um, uh, some uh, Sambodhi or, or one of these terms that mean the ultimate uh, uh, wisdom, uh, correct type of understanding, right? An awareness. Uh, but uh, it talks about uh, for you and the world. Again, it's alluding to this uh, bodhicitta idea that came. So it's uh, what, what it's wise mind. Uh, but the idea is to achieve awareness, understanding, enlightenment uh, to help liberate all sentient beings trapped in this uh, samsaric existence, as they say. And that just means we're all trapped um, believing in self in this deluded world. So, of course, we're suffering. And the root uh, is to generate an altruistic thought. Altruism is a synonym for equanimity and is... In, uh, in Sanskrit, upeksha, this idea that we treat everyone equally because we're all part of one giant system, right? Uh, that is stable and firm like a mountain. That's that word that I commonly mention, the, um, sati uh, sampajana, this idea of uh, being constantly aware, not just of the reality of everything and what your goal is, but are you currently and constantly practicing it? Right? And so it talks about being stable and firm. It's also talking about, you know, faith. We've talked about this, Shraddha, faith and commitment and devotion, and all embracing compassion. Again, I mentioned this in the previous intro pot to the podcast, that uh, compassion is... Healing, when applied to others, but most importantly, needs to be applied uh, to you and others. 
And so, finally, it talks about this transcendent wisdom, free of duality. Transcendent means it's beyond our existence here in samsara and beyond arguably uh, easy to understand. This wisdom, again, free of duality. So this non-dual idea is absolutely at the center of this teaching. Non-dual means, and arguably is gotten a little convoluted, but this non-dual is again equanimity. That you are a part of the same system as everyone else. So you need to treat everyone and everything equally. Right? In, um, <clears throat> in Vedanta, that is considered Brahman nature. We're just part of uh, right, this great shared power kind of uh, our uh, energizer uh, batteries. Right? We all share from the same well. So again, as I said, that's an intro to the stages of meditation by Kamala Shila. Uh, the first chapter is, What is the mind? And it opens with, It is not possible for omniscience to be produced without causes. Because if it were... Everything could always be omniscient. If things were produced without reliance on something else, they could exist without constraint. There would be no reason why everything could not be omniscient. Therefore, since all functional things arise only occasionally, they depend strictly on their causes. Omniscience, too, is rare because it does not occur at all times and in all places, and everything cannot be omniscient. Therefore, it definitely depends on causes and conditions. So here you see why I find it odd that anyone would talk about sudden versus gradual enlightenment. Because everything happens because of cause and effect, dependent origination, um, functional things arise only occasionally. Uh, omniscience uh, is not possible without uh, being produced with causes. So, in here we see the teaching of dependent origination. Right? Everything is in uh, flow from one thing to another, transforming, as it were. Uh, emptiness, right? And then the next chapter is training the mind. Right, so first chapter you understand uh, what you're training. Right. The next chapter is how. For a Westerner, I use the word nascent, nascent, nascent. Party. <laughs> oh, I'm terrible at this. I use the word nascent. Uh, means it comes, you know, from causes. Uh, emergent is another word. So that's what the mind is. I mean, it, it it's a necessary tool for us to uh, to navigate uh, within this. Uh, but it's just as easy to lay it uh, lay it down. But as I said, the next chapter, uh, chapter two, is training the mind. And I'll read. It's uh, not a lot uh, to go through as far as reading. But there is uh, quite a bit to go through um, as far as teaching. So, here we go. Uh, training the mind. Also, 
For among these causes and conditions, you should cultivate correct and complete causes. If you put the wrong causes into practice, even if you work hard for a long time, the desired goal cannot be achieved. It will be like milking a cow's horn. Likewise, the result will not be produced when all the causes are not put into effect. For example, if the seed of any cause is missing, then the result, a sprout and so forth, will not be produced. Therefore, those who desire a particular result should cultivate its complete and unmistaken causes and conditions. I mean, this one is pretty self-explanatory. It really is talking about cause and effect, karma, choice, you know, having the right understanding of how these things work. Don't attach to the self because it's the cause of a lot of these sufferings. Right? Why do you expect um, these outcomes any other way that they may come. And I recently heard uh, another one that was a great uh, way to put it across. If you were to plant a bulb in the ground hoping to grow a flower, if you kept digging it up every couple hours to see how it was doing, it wouldn't do so well. So remember that. This is also uh, no attainment. Remember. So I go on in the chapter of training the mind. If you ask, what are the causes and conditions of the final fruit of omniscience? I, who am like a blind man, may not be in a position to explain, but I shall employ the Buddha's words just as he spoke them to his disciples after his enlightenment. He said, Vajrapani, Lord of Secrets, the transcendental wisdom of omniscience has its root in compassion and arises from a cause, the altruistic thought, the awakening mind of bodhicitta, and the perfection of skillful means. Therefore, if you are interested in achieving omniscience, you need to practice these three. Compassion, the awakening mind of bodhicitta, and skillful means. So this is pretty important because a lot of these, it's, you'll get talking about threes, but this one's important because we've talked about this. So, altruistic thought. This is uh, loving kindness, but it's also equanimity. Uh, well, no, I shouldn't use that. It was equanimity. Uh, so let me think of the other translation of uh, Mudita. Um, empathetic joy. That's another one they use. Empathetic joy. Compassion. Uh, equanimity. As I said, it's... You know, treating everyone equally. Um, and I feel like I'm forgetting one. But you can see them in here. Right? So it's this altruistic thought that brings up compassion. So that's what they say. Later it will mention equanimity is how you build compassion. And the perfection of skillful means. This is the upaya we've talked about. Um, skill in means, it just means how you apply this. And again, just like the previous paragraph, it's meant to be applied all the time, not just when you're sitting. And so next, chapter 3 is compassion. And it says, Moved by compassion, bodhisattvas take the vow to liberate all sentient beings. So again, understand this. <clears throat> Bodhisattvas 
doesn't always necessarily mean someone who has made uh, their way to enlightenment and decided to uh, renounce uh, nirvana in favor of liberation of all sentient beings. A bodhisattva can simply be somebody who's a great being, right? Wants to embody uh, both wisdom, bodhi, and be a sattva, great being. And it goes on and says, Then, by overcoming their self-centered outlook, they engage eagerly and continuously in the very difficult practices of accumulating merit and insight. And there you go. So it's just minimize the self. And you have to be eager, continuously or right, uh, consistent. These are very difficult practices, but in so doing, you can accumulate merit and insight. Merit's a synonym for karma, right? So just think of, technically, you should be looking at it as not producing negative karma, or hopefully, if you're doing, um, doing your practice properly, you're not filling that um, laya vijnana, that storehouse of um, latent impressions that lead to the self. And of course, insight is just understanding. It's, it's uh, that one we've gone over a number of times. And the next para is, uh, having entered into this practice, they will certainly complete the collection of merit and insight. Accomplishing the accumulation of merit and insight is like having omniscience itself in the palm of your hand. Therefore, since compassion is the only root of omniscience, you should become familiar with this practice from the very beginning. Okay, so remember, having entered into this practice, this practice of bodhicitta, practice of renunciation, right? the practice of um, acquiescence, right? giving up on being the self, and accomplishing the accumulation of merit and insight is like having omniscience itself. Right? So I've talked about this. Simply seeing oneself as part of a greater system is liberating and empowering itself. And I go on. The compendium of perfect Dharma reads, O Buddha, a bodhisattva should not train in many practices. If a bodhisattva properly holds to one Dharma and learns it perfectly, he has all the Buddha's qualities in the palm of his hand. And if you ask what that one Dharma is, it is great compassion. So again, you've heard me mention this a number of times, but you can read in here. Uh, the, the teaching is not among a bunch of different schools. It's within whatever school you choose, because they're all teaching the exact same thing. And I go on, say the Buddhas have already achieved all of their own goals, but they remain in the cycle of existence for as long as there are sentient beings. This is because they possess great compassion. They also do not enter the immensely blissful abode of nirvana like the hearers. Considering the interests of sentient beings first, they abandon the peaceful abode of nirvana as if it were a burning iron house. Therefore, great compassion alone is the unavoidable cause of the non-abiding nirvana of the Buddha. And again, it's already explained this. 
right? This uh, is explaining where uh, the bodhicitta fits in. But again, you can't misunderstand that that applies two ways, right? First, you minimize. Um, well, no, you wouldn't first minimize. What am I saying? I jump so far ahead sometimes when I'm thinking. 